What's up guys, Dalton here. Before we hop into this episode of the PT Coffee Cast, I just wanted to touch base with you and say thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Whether this is your first time listening or you've been rocking with us since day one, we appreciate your support. Every like, comment, share, subscribe, whatever it is, truly does mean the world to us and it continues to push us to put out the best possible content for you guys. Before we hop in, I just want to talk to you about our partnership with Physio Network. Physio Network is on a mission to improve physiotherapy standards worldwide. They do this through their research reviews. If you sign up, you'll get 12 research reviews per month in both written and audio form. Articles are selected and appraised by industry experts such as Sandy Hilton, Mary O'Keefe, Tom Goom. Um, former PT Coffee Cast guests such as Teddy Wilsey, Sam Spinelli, Jared Hall, Tom Walters, and plenty more. They're clinically relevant and recently published, and they take less than five minutes to read one review, saving you hours of work. This also solves that problem that we all struggle with. How do we stay up to date with the research? Physio Network has you covered. They also give you access to a members-only Facebook group, and you can do quizzes that will get you CEU points. They got it all. If you guys are interested in trying out Physio Network, you can start your seven-day free trial now by using the link in the show notes or our bio on Instagram. This will give you the option to play around, see what you like. Do you like listening? Do you like reading? And just seeing the amazing content that they give you guys, and then you will join because Physio Network is amazing. We'd love to hear from you guys. If you have signed up for Physio Network, please let us know how your experience has gone. We'd love to hear, and we can pass on that information to them. Also, if you guys haven't noticed, we've moved the PT Coffee Cast to its own Instagram page. So head over there so you don't miss out on any content. You can follow that at the PT Coffee Cast. We've also started a PT Coffee Cast newsletter so that you guys can get up-to-date information on the latest episode. If we have any new merch dropping, maybe some coffee, whatever it is, we want you guys to know about it first so you can follow the Instagram page as well as sign up for the newsletter so you don't miss out on anything. That's all I got for now, guys. I hope you enjoy this episode of the PT Coffee Cast. Welcome to the Movement PT Coffee Cast, where we sit down and talk about physical therapy, health, and whatever else comes to mind during our coffee-infused conversations. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Movement PT Coffee Cast. My name is Dalton, and with me, as always, is my beautifully bearded friend, William. William, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, man. Uh, coffee is absolutely delicious, and uh, yeah, just ready to get on this podcast. How about you? I'm good, man. Little midday, little midday podcast, little midday coffee. Um, our guest today has also a wonderful beard and it's competing mm. it's competing with yours honestly it's oh, been a yeah. while since we had a solid beard on the pod so I'm, I'm looking forward to uh to this episode so i'll bring our guest on um today we have doc will mills he's a physical therapist in the ortho and men's pelvic health space um one of his like kind of taglines that i that i really love is active problems require active solutions um he's also known on instagram for throwing around a couple memes so we'll probably dive into to that um will welcome to the show thanks for having me guys how uh how's your day going it's going uh 
right before we clicked record, I was just talking about how I was cleaning up a lot of urine because uh, we I had a I had a first time eval and he's not very continent right now. So yeah, and I'm sure we'll. I'm that's sure how my day's going. That's that. not how a lot of people's days going. <laughs> yeah. That's how my yeah. days. <laughs> that is a first on the PT Coffee Cast. That that is what our guest was doing prior to coming on. So you're a first. You're a first for that. Yeah. Um, before we dive into all the the pelvic health related things, why don't you do like just a brief introduction into to who you are, a little bit of information about you? Yeah. So my background um, is fitness, CrossFit, and weightlifting. Um, I 100% knew that I wanted to be in a space like this with my own tiny gym office, um, in, in a CrossFit gym, even before I went to PT school, um, even when I was a coach, I was like, this is the community that I want to be in. Uh, this is who I want to serve. This is what I want to spend my day doing. And I knew that going into PT school that that's what I was going to do when I got out. Never. Not even the shred, not even a shred of once was it in my mind to do men's pelvic health. It kind of just fell into my lap. Um, and it didn't, it didn't really get brought to my attention until after PT school. Um, I knew I wasn't ready to start immediately in my own clinic. So I, I did a travel assignment. And before I went on a travel assignment, I went to the, um, CSM whenever CSM was in New Orleans. So this was beginning of 2018, like January, first week of January. Um, and a friend of mine who I have one of my clinics out of now in Baton Rouge, um, had a, had a PT going to his gym who is a pelvic therapist, a female pelvic, pelvic health therapist. And, this was around the time where like the APTA was making a big push to change the verbiage from women's health to pelvic health, because up until that point, whenever someone thinks of pelvic health, they think of females, they think of stress incontinence with double unders and issues with peeing on themselves and pain with sex following uh, the birth of a child. So it was, it was, like that was a kind of a hot topic and the pelvic PTs that I'd followed up until that point, that's a lot of what they were talking about. So I met this therapist who was local to Baton Rouge was looking to bring on a male and we just, we had a conversation and um, she told me that the thing, the thing where she, the, the conversation she realized in her clinical career where she needed to treat men was she got a referral from a urologist about a guy that had testicular pain and he had had it for years. He had gone through the ringer. He had been like, and, and I'm going to draw a lot of parallels to orthopedics and like back pain. And most of y'all have probably seen like the circle of healthcare expenditure in the U S where like person a has acute back pain goes to an x-ray from their PCP, PCP, injection, anti-inflammatories, MRI, $4,000, capitalism. Um, and then they, then they, it's been like 21 days and they've been bounced around and they still have back pain. 
very, very similar to your junk herds, right? Go see an ortho, or not ortho, sorry, uro, urologist, and he has left testicular pain, goes through the gambit of, okay, this isn't cancer. So if it's not cancer, then what is it? Might be an inflammatory response. Uh, Prostatitis is a very big urology diagnosis um, that we're finding out more and more isn't necessarily prostate pain, but more so pelvic floor dysfunction or pelvic floor pain um, causing the, the pain and irritation in that area. Anyway, gets puts on meds, meds don't help, goes to see three other urologists, they can't help. The last one solution is to remove the testicle. Okay. So this dude gets, I always mess up the saying, it's like a testectomy, right? There's a, there's like three T's in it. It's super weird. Um, gets his left testicle removed. Pain goes away for about two weeks before the lone survivor starts to hurt in the exact same way. And at that point, the dude's at the end of his rope. He's, back in the urologist office, having conversations with, with him about, you know, what are the options here? Well, you need to start talking to a sperm bank if you want to have kids, because we might just remove the, the last of the Mohicans. And this dude doesn't want to lose the second nut, right? Don't so play. starts feverishly Googling, finds her, shows up, and he treated her or sorry she treated him two or three times before 70 percent of the pain had alleviated and to me because i have testicles right i'm like first off i i can't imagine not exhausting every single option prior to getting the first one removed but the idea of getting my second testicle removed, if I don't had, if I didn't have like 10 pounds of cancer in there is absolutely crazy to me. And the fact that there was somebody in town or within 60 miles that could have helped them on the front end was like, there's a lot of people that I could be helping that have no idea that they need help or know that I exist. And typically when we're dealing with somebody's pelvis and their sexual function and pelvic pain in general, usually people are typically, you know, compliant with their, with their therapy. Mm -hmm. And to me, in conjunction of one reason, one big reason why I'm in the fitness space is because I don't have to pull teeth to get people better. Like they just do it because they want to keep snatching you know, sexual function is typically falls in line with level of importance with most dudes. And I realized that it would kind of very much fall in line with what I was already doing. So um, that's how I got started. I was, I was mentored um, and worked under her for a bit and then realized that um, I just needed to do it on my own. And now I'm here. Yeah, that uh, that makes sense as to why it, I could see why it would push you into that that direction. Like that to me is 
a crazy scenario, but I feel like, you know, you hit it on the head in the sense of um, it's probably happening more often than we even realize. And it's being, it's being missed um, both in men and women. But for me personally, it's like, I honestly don't really know anything about men's pelvic health. Like, Mm -hmm. and, and I'm a healthcare professional and I'm a physical therapist just like you. So I think like these conversations are super important. Um, So maybe what you could do is like, give like a brief overview of like what pelvic health, like in the context of men looks like. And like, maybe then we can dive into like some things that dudes should be thinking about when certain symptoms pop up or whatnot. Okay. So, so in terms of, you know, most common diagnoses, um, I'll start back to front. So uh, hemorrhoids, rectal pain, fecal incontinence, um, rectal prolapse. That's most of the stuff that could be going wrong with your butt. Um, testicular pain. Um, different, going back to the, going back to the original dude story, he had more genitofemoral nerve issues. So the lumbar spine was implicated. So ortho PTs, you can help the balls too. Uh, <laughs> you just got to assess the back, right? So genitofemoral nerve, um, hip flexor wasn't functioning to the best of its ability um, in that situation. So checking the lumbar, checking the genitofemoral nerve, and those dermatomes are always super helpful. And I do that regardless, um, just as like a pre-screen. Um, testicular pain, inguinal nerve irritations, um, past history of hernias. I myself had a hernia whenever I was like, when I was five, I had a hernia surgery. Um, looking back at it, I feel like it made me move different and may or may not have predisposed me to certain things, um, that I'm just starting to realize now. Um, people that have post-surgical or sorry, past hernias, um, it typically will coincide with some form of weird bracing, um, that can potentially lead to future hernias. Like a, a very common thing with my prostate cancer guys who have had prostate issues that built over time is they have a diastasis recti and they've had one, but anywhere between one and three hernia repairs. And I'm like, so where was the mark missed in like teaching someone how to brace under load and not just push all your guts out at any point in your tenure of being a 65 year old human. Um, so there's that, uh, Penis pain. I've had some. I've had individuals that have had sex sex injuries. Um, I actually had one last week that found me on Facebook. Um, who he was he was having sex in '95, and his partner. I, I think of a Emperor's New Groove with pull the lever. <laughs> <laughs> did that to his penis broke his penis and he hasn't had 
100% erection since 95. And I'm like, Oh gosh! So you came, you came to me, and I'm gonna figure out. I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna peel back 25 years of whatever. Um, so sex injuries, super big thing. Um, premature ejaculation is something that we treat, as well as erectile dysfunction. So there's like, there's a big gambit. I kind of boil it down in my mind whenever I do evaluations um, into how are they functioning as a human from a fitness standpoint? Do they have any specifically metabolic issues like high blood pressure and uh, diabetes? Well, is high blood pressure and diabetes is terrible for having a strong erection. Just FYI, if you're, if you were wondering if you wanted that in the future, I would rather do squats and not get that because it's terrible for sexual sexual function. Um, so sexual function function just as a human and then pelvic floor function specifically is typically the three, the big three of what I look at on the front end. And then very similar, like implementation of the biopsychosocial model, those things can ebb and flow um, based off the day. Like one day, it might be more of a psychological thing. Um, and, you know, until you've asked, how is your, how is this affecting your relationship with your partner? That, that question opens up Pandora's box to answers. And, you know, the, the idea of like, I don't know when this is going to go away. They don't look at me the same, like all those things, big psychological implications into the biopsychosocial model of treating this. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. No, I think, I think that's a good, like, it sounds like there's a lot more things that, um, you know, are related to the, like the pelvic health related stuff that you're doing with, with guys. Like you hit on a bunch of different areas. I'm mm -hmm. curious, like age range, like, are we looking at, I'm sure there's like misconceptions around this, but like, what is the age range that you're, you're seeing a lot of people in? Like, are you seeing this occurring in younger people, which I'm assuming commonly people would, would assume that they would be older individuals. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So it could, the, the range is the age of being a dude. Yeah. Like it could be there. There's just so many things that can go wrong with your junk at any age. Like, uh, and I, I haven't treated this guy, but I've treated his wife and she told me about his problem. Uh, when he was a kid, he got his, he got his, he, his penis got smashed in the toilet seat and he had to have like an emergency surgery and it messed up his urethra. So like whenever he pees, it looks like, it looks like a, just a giant waterfall and it affects how he ejaculate. Like it just affects a lot of stuff. And that happened when he was a kid. So early on sex injuries in your teens and early twenties can set this thing up for like a long, like 25 year spread of not it not working correctly. Um, it can affect so that that's more like young age late teens 20s 30s in terms of sexual dysfunction i would say there's more 
premature ejaculation patients. Um, based off the research right now, it hasn't, there isn't like a gold standard on like if, like to what degree porn has to play into that, but I think it does because mm -hmm. um, it seems like there's a pretty strong correlation and not necessarily just the causation with it. Um, so that's more early to middle age adult. And then whenever we start getting into like the forties and fifties, I'm seeing more erectile dysfunction related to just poor lifestyle choices and more changes in like urinary stream, which is more associated with like weird long-term weird peeing patterns like i've got i've had guys that tell me like they have to like valsalva to pee and they've been doing that for 20 years or they have to basically like milk their perineum to get the last bit of urine out or they feel like they're gonna it's gonna stay in the urethra and they're gonna put their pants on they're gonna just pee everywhere like there's just so many different things mm -hmm. um and each one each one kind of follows a pattern based off age, but at the same time for everyone that I've had at like 25, I've had another guy that's 42 that has the same problem. Um, so there's a big, there's a big spread to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. I kind of, I kind of figured that would be the case. Um, I wonder if you like, maybe in your mind, take us through something that's super common, like whether it's like something to do with like incontinence or whatnot, like, say let's take through the process of like you diagnosing and then what it looks like like getting them started on a plan like what are some of the things that you do to solve that problem um and maybe talk about what subjectively these people report that like trigger you to be like oh this is like what you may be experiencing okay yeah so i would say in terms of in terms of uh erectile dysfunction most men who are either borderline erectile dysfunctional or they it's not to the degree that they want it to be have had a previous diagnosis several several years prior that's redundant i'm sorry uh i need more coffee I don't, I don't have my coffee. <laughs> it's okay, man. Uh, I just make stuff up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they typically have a diagnosis of like some kind of cardiovascular issue. And, um, you know, it, more of the urology research is being shown to, to show that cardiovascular diagnosis is a bit of a precursor. Like you should be seeing the writings on the wall to um, potentially have an erectile dysfunction three to five years down the road. So, which, you know, in all the conversation of like performance physical therapy in the past few years, I feel like there's a huge um, gap in like what a physical therapist is able to do considering comorbidities and how to give someone an adequate exercise, strength and conditioning stimulus and help people change lifestyle factors. Um, so it's basically like, you know, they, they get those 
they get that diagnosis of the cardiovascular issue. They tell their physician, I'm having, tr I'm starting to have trouble getting it up. And typically the first line uh, first line act at this point in the game is prescription of um, boner meds. So like Viagra or Cialis, um, rather than having a, a, a bit of a longer conversation and, and talking about these are the things that you could probably change to make this better to help change someone's trajectory so we don't get to that point where I haven't had meaningful sex with my partner in four years and I don't know what to do about my relationship type thing. Um, what was the other part of the question? Am like what are some of like the um, like what would someone be reporting to you or experiencing in some of these situations that that would indicate like some of these like that's yeah. So erectile dysfunction is probably one of the grayest ones that we probably know the least a bit about, least amount about, um, in the sense of like some men will have very normal testosterone. And this is all, this is all like, I'm finding all this out in subjective. Mm -hmm. And it, this is just going through like, what are the big markers? They've usually seen several physicians, um, they've usually gotten their testosterone checked. So testosterone can be relatively normal. Um, arousal levels, like they want to have sex, but they can't. Um, and usually in that regard, they haven't, they haven't partaken in sex in a long time or sexual acts and therefore we get into the conversation of the use it or lose it principle and the use it or lose. I talk about everyone that I talk to with pelvic floor issues. I talk about the use it or lose it principle because your, your genitals are, do not fall outside of that principle in terms of how the body operates. Um, so we, we get into that. Um, but, but typically most of these people, unless they've had some kind of trauma or previous sex injury, it, it's kind of like it, it siphons down into that's the, that's the package sitting in front of me. Somewhat relatively health markers, potentially unhealthy health markers, want to do it, have tried the pill, have tried the shot but they can't. And it's, it's unpacking. All right, well, what, so here's the chessboard. We got all the pieces on it. Which ones do we need to move first? And that to me is like pelvic PT 101. And that kind of chessboard analogy I talk about with most of the different diagnoses. Um, but it all kind of, it's all similar, but different. It's weird. And I think it's part, and I think it's weird because I don't really have a frame of reference because there's not that many people that are talking about it. Yeah. And, and to me, I'm like, am I weird? Because I think about dicks way more, <laughs> way more than the average person. Like, but I mean, somebody's got to think about it because so many people have these problems. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of pushed me towards, once things in my clinic life 
get stabilized, potentially doing some research on it. I have some urology friends that I'm thinking about co-doing some case reports with just to just to start to create some frame of reference because there's not that much out there. I mean, obviously, like it's an awkward topic, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I think that's maybe part of the issue. And I, I don't think you're weird necessarily because I can imagine like you're getting people who maybe they've gone years without even knowing there was something that could actually or somebody that could actually help them with their problem. And so I could see that being super rewarding, you know, being able to potentially like really like you're talking about, am I going to lose my last ball or (laughs) am I going to be able to do something about this and actually improve it? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And that the other thing in terms of like creating more social awareness, I kind of, kind of what we were talking about before, um it the way the way that i'm talking to y'all right now is from a contextual standpoint i've already this is how i talk to my patients once we've established a relation like a relationship in the sense of whenever i first talk to somebody i'm going to say genitals anus rectum perineum testicles penis but i always give them the option of like what do you want to call it? Cause most dudes have a slang name for it. And like the one, the guy that I saw before, I was like, so we need to make sure you don't have any sensitivities in your perineum. And he's like, you mean the tank? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> we can call it the tank that I'm totally cool with that. So, and, and the guy that, the guy that had the sex injury from 95, the first thing he said was, I don't know. I'm not sure how frank you want me to be because I never felt like I could have this conversation with a urologist before where I could just tell him what's wrong. And I was like, dude, like my biopsychosocial meters were flying out the charts. (laughs) Like, I was like, dude, you could tell me whatever you want. Like the more you tell me, the better, the more you're comfortable with it, with talking about it. There's no, there's nothing that you can say that would make me uncomfortable at this point. Like I've heard pretty much the gambit and I only feel like I've scratched the surface with hearing individual stories. Yeah. And I think that's important because again, it positions us as like physical therapists in such a good spot to actually take advantage of like this realm and help a lot of people because we do have the time, you know, obviously I'm sure you have set yourself up to have more time with individuals and like, we know how to communicate. We know how to dive into the biopsychosocial, which just hearing you talk about all of the things that go into like the pelvic health stuff related to men, it's like, we need to dive into these things. You know, these guys need to be comfortable with calling it or saying whatever they want um, about their genitals, you know? So I'm curious to hear like with regards to that ED situation, like now that you've identified it, whatnot, like what are some of the, the treatment look like for that individual going forward. And I know there's obviously like a lot of moving parts, you know, to it, but maybe like certain frameworks that you like to follow or things you would like look at to include in a treatment plan for that. Yeah. So to, to piggyback off what you said, it is very dependent on what's been going on. Um, but what I've found for most, most that fall within the just generally unhealthy spectrum 
the performance PT side of things, like we need to talk about a strength and conditioning program that would work for you. Like, or how do you feel about exercise? Um, because if you want to get this better, we need to do some resistance training. Like you can't just walk a mile or two a couple times a week and expect to create a change in your pelvic floor musculature as well as systemically. Um, so we need to talk about dosage, um, you know, frequency, intensity, getting people on the right track with that. I don't, um, there in the research, there is nutrition guidelines. Typically, you know, in my, you know, I guess in my scope of practice, I'm not giving out too much suggestions with that until someone is cool with doing some kettlebell deadlifts. Cause if we can't get there first, like, and it's just, a, it's more related to if the, if the pendulum is swinging away from there was some kind of sexual trauma, there's problems psychologically with the partner. And it's more like it's 80% physical at this point. You're, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm trying to be more frank once I've established trust in the sense of like, I mean, this, the ball's in your court. Like we got to, we got to do some, we got to change how you operate if you want this to get better. And from a, and speaking with, I had a really great conversation with one of my newer urology friends in town who has been pro fitness forever. He was an LSU football player. Um, football is kind of a big deal in Baton Rouge and Louisiana. Uh, Hello, go Tigers. Uh, and you know, but fitness is not necessarily, but he has always been pro fitness. And, you know, I was just asking him, so how do you, how do you really approach this conversation? He's like, well, I typically start out with if a guy is having a whole, if he has a whole lot of belly fat, you know, from a, from a standpoint of how the blood pressure system works, if you have a whole lot of truncal obesity, you know, your, your genitals, arteries are last on that pipeline. And if it's getting, if it's hitting all these stoppage points to get there, I mean, you're shooting yourself in the foot. So, you know, what does that look like from a carrying it out practical side of things? That is, that's been my biggest, that is currently my biggest barrier in terms of like, what that looks like from a practical standpoint. Right. That's, that's the hardest part right now for erectile dysfunction specifically. Right. A lot of the other things, you know, it's a lot of getting people to understand how to contract and relax. A lot of people live at this high level of, con of a contracted state um, with the, with their pelvic floor, which whenever we get to the point where we're comfortable and being frank, we typically label as being a tight ass. And, but that's, I mean, that's going past erectile dysfunction. That's just other things, but there's some things that are easy to do at home solo. There's some things that we need a little bit more stringent plan. And if we don't stick to the plan, I'm not sure how far the needle is going to get threaded forward.
Yeah, and I mean that sounds. There's a lot of tent like parallels to like the ortho side of things as well. Like it's oh, very, yeah. it's very similar, right? It's like, you know, some of the biggest barriers is general health, oftentimes, right? And like you're talking about that with regards to erectile dysfunction, and then obviously there are some more specific things that go beyond just being healthier. But it sounds like that's always such a big component of like what influences a lot of the things that we deal with, and even it sounds like that you may deal with from a pelvic health standpoint. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had the thought the other day I was, um, I was looking, I was on Instagram and Michael Ray shared an article about uh, a critical analysis of the biopsychosocial model in terms of how we treat low back pain and how in their analysis, they didn't really find they're, they're found, they found gaps in terms of like the powers at B from a governmental standpoint, from a social norm standpoint, from an educational standpoint in terms of who we're treating and how that's a big hole in really diving deep into the biopsychosocial model in conjunction with low back pain. And it's weird because I had been thinking about like, dude, I'm in, I'm in South Louisiana. I'm in, I'm in Cajun country 101. Hell, I'm a Cajun. Like everything is rice and gravy in Louisiana. Like the food here is great. The people are huge with a capital U and we're in a constant fight for the most unhealthy in the U S with Mississippi every single year. I think we surpassed them a couple years ago. So like to some degree, I'm feeling the weight of, I'm trying to have a conversation with someone about lifestyle change, but if they've made it up till this point and they're not willing to change in order to have better boners, we need to explore that topic more. Like there needs to be more research as to the powers that be that have led to that. And I don't necessarily have the answers for it, but I observed around the same time that I read Michael's thoughts on it. And I didn't get to dive deep into the article yet, but I observed like very similar ideas and missing pieces in terms of pelvic health with how we treat low back pain. Um, so I think it's, I think it's probably one of the most parallel issues in, on that cuff. Mm. Um, up until this point like it's not like shoulder pain you know right there's more there's more to it yeah if um affects the person yeah definitely if like there's like a clinician or even even like an individual um that wants to learn a little bit more about like this topic like where do you suggest people go like do you have any good resources like i know you're saying it's, it's minimal sometimes but yeah it is um i was I was trained through Herman and Wallace. It's a continuing education company. Um, in terms of like formal, ed this is a whole other problem. <laughs> in terms of formal education and, and how you can do post-grad work, it's really in the US, you got Herman and Wallace and you got the APTA classes. And there's not much in between in terms of this is how you get certified higher levels of education in this 
outside of looking on it, looking for your own. Um, the, I would say the two clinicians that I've followed the closest in the U.S. that talk about males, um, Susie, Susie G. I always mess up how to pronounce her her last name. Uh, Gronkowski. It's not Gronkowski because that's Gronk. It's like Gronkski, I think. I hope she doesn't hear this because I'm. I just. <laughs> we'll find her. Find her person. Yeah. Yeah, her uh, her podcast is In Your Pants with Susie G, with Dr. Susie G. And then Tracy Scher and the Pelvic Guru. That's who I have um, followed the most and I feel like has put out the most pertinent info. Um, my dude, Adam Javilli, who's another clinician um, doing similar stuff as me in New York City as well as my business partner, Joey Rosie, um, who is in the beginning phases of getting into this as well in Florida. We talk a lot about different ideas and, and how to take steps forward. Um, but the thing about my practice and Adam's practice right now is he treats way more pelvic pain, way more younger guys. Um, and I'm on, I'm in the older age groups right now. So there, there isn't a whole lot, but what, what exists now is, I mean, you could get pretty deep into it. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of finding it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's glad to hear that there are people out there. And I know we briefly talked a little bit about your Instagram presence. Like, I know it's something that you've been, you know, you've been active on in the past. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I foresee a space on Instagram where this could be like from, from a male perspective could probably use a little bit of help. Is it something that you've thought about like transitioning into and putting more content out towards that kind of stuff? Absolutely. Uh, that's one of the, that's one of the forks in the road that I'm at right now with what I was saying earlier is like, I don't know. I'm having analysis paralysis with, mm. with that. Cause you know, Context is super important. Like I said before, how we're talking right now is how I've talked to a patient after already establishing my relationship with them, not necessarily how I talk to them on the front end before they know much about me or what I have to offer. So I'm like, I'm weighing those options. But yes, there's a minimum amount of dude pelvic floor content on the internet right now. And, uh, that is my 2021 goal is to go straight into that. Cool. Um, it's just a matter of a matter of feeling it out as well as like, I'm sure, I'm sure y'all had a, had a struggle with this in terms of like creating your avatar and your identity with CrossFit. I've, I've done that. I know who I'm trying to, trying to talk to that's, a large part of who I've spoken to um, via my memes in the past. I, I have not had as much meme inspiration in talking about like very delicate topics about men's genitals in a way that's not going to be off-putting. Yeah. Or yeah, just I, like come across as a joke. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like a, a, a fine line, but I feel like you got what, what, 
it needs like you you have that ability i think to do the funny side of things where like you know you can make it like normalized in a sense but also like have the ability to like make it serious like i i hope you pursue that because i think i think it's something that would be a big a big hit on instagram which is good because then we're pushing out good information which it sounds like we need more of so i uh, i hope you get over that analysis by paralysis man and push into it because i think it'd be be good stuff thanks yeah i just need to send it that's what i have that's i mean (laughs) up until this point that's if i get into a rut i'm just like the hell am i waiting on (laughs) just pull the trigger dude like what are you doing it'll Uh, it'll come when it when it's right yeah um well on that note why don't that is super important too say that again context of whenever you say that yes is also important (laughs) yeah (laughs) um why don't you just let people know where you can find find you on Instagram right now and stay tuned for maybe some of that content. Yeah, so my Instagram handle is at docmills.dpt on the IG. Awesome. Sweet I don't have a website right now. I'm also on Facebook, but that's just my name on Facebook. Okay, cool. Appreciate the time, man. I think it was a, it was a good conversation, a lot, of, a lot yeah. of good things that we hit on. And, um, you know, in the, in the future, if you know, you, you start to put more content out or there's more things that you want to get across, we'd love to continue to have this conversation going forward. Cause I think it's important. Um, and, and the more people that we can have here in the message, the better. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Guys. I really appreciate it. Awesome, man.